You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show comes to you with the Giants sitting 2-6 and six at the midpoint of the 2019 NFL season. Giants have the Week 9 Monday night football game coming up at MetLife Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys. At uh, two and six, that looks like a tough matchup for the Giants with the Cowboys four and three and, and leading the uh, the NFC East. Few of the topics we're going to look at today uh, include, uh, you know, looking at the progress the Giants have made at the midpoint of the season, uh, what we need to do or what we need to see from the Giants to uh, to feel like they've made progress in 2019 despite the record. Uh, pretty soon, uh, I'll have Patricia Trena on with me shortly to to discuss uh, what we've seen and what we might see for the rest of 2019. Before I get to uh, to my chat with Patty, though, just wanted to to touch on a few topics. Wanted to make sure that uh, that as we go forward this week, that you guys have seen some of the terrific work at Big Blue View. That you've seen Mark Schofield's really really nice piece ranking or rating grading i should say uh nfl rookie quarterbacks including daniel jones it's an outstanding piece of writing um entertaining and informative both i hope that you guys will uh, will check that out also hope that you guys have been following the position by position scouting series that former NFL scout Matt Williamson has been doing for us. Uh, really, really good piece that, that helps you guys understand what traits, what characteristics scouts are looking for that separate, you know, top prospects in the draft, you know, from guys who, who go undrafted or go later in the draft. Just a, a little inside look at, uh, at what scouts are grading, you know, when they watch NFL players. Also throughout the week, we are, are of course breaking down Giants versus Cowboys. We'll have uh, we already have a look at uh, at the matchup between the Dallas offense and the Giants defense. A little bit later in the week, we'll have the Giants offense versus Dallas's defense. We'll have lots of uh, of stuff from the Giants locker room. We'll have our predictions 
for Monday's game, our staff predictions, as we always do. Just want to make sure that uh, that you guys are, are continuing to follow along with our content at Big Blue View. Encourage you guys to join the community if you haven't done so already so that you can, can participate in discussions with other Giants fans in our community. And uh, as we go forward here on, on today's show, let's... Uh, Let's do this right now. Let's uh, let's go ahead at this point and play the interview that I did with Patricia Trena as we break down the uh, the Giants 2019 season to date. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Patricia Trena of Giants Maven and Locked On Giants. Patty, how you doing today? Doing well, Ed. How are you? I'm good, Patty, and we've we've hit the the mid-season mark. Giants are kind of a disappointing two and six. We just had the uh, the NFL trade deadline pass by this week, and and let, let's actually start there. Interestingly, you look at a two and six team. You look at a team that that had a losing record last year. You would have expected, if anything, you would have expected the Giants probably to be sellers and instead they turned around and made what I believe is the first trade between the Giants and Jets in the in the history of those two franchises and ended up with uh, with Leonard Williams were you were you surprised at all by how all of that went down um, a little bit. Actually, it was the second trade between the two. The first trade, it was actually made um, years ago. It was involved an offensive lineman named Chris Foote, but I think that trade was nullified. So technically, it's the second trade, but it's the first trade that went through. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised in that, you know, you look at the defensive talent that they have and uh, y- you figured, you know, they have a good young core there. But what that tells me you know, if we're looking ahead, it makes me wonder if, you know, they're going to keep Dalvin Tomlinson when his rookie deal, uh, you know, ends. Uh, I think if they sign Leonard Williams to a, a contract extension, I can't see them re-signing Dalvin Tomlinson, who I believe has one more year on his contract. I think this is his third year, so I think it's one more year. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of surprising but at the same time, Ed, I see the benefits of it because if you look at what James Betcher has tried to do to fix that back end of the defense, that pass defense, he's been usually adding, you know, six, you know, five, six, seven defensive backs, which means he's got to pull off, you know, somebody from up front, whether it be a linebacker, whether it be a defensive lineman. Well, when you pull off a defensive lineman now, you, you know, as we saw against the Cardinals when they did this a lot the team can run the ball down the Giants' throat. So by adding a guy like Williams, you've got a guy who can potentially get pressure on the quarterback, but at the same time hold his own against the run. It's interesting, Patty. I think you're probably right in mentioning Dalvin Tomlinson. One of the things that Dave Gettleman has said you know, over and over is that he wants to build a deeper you know, rotation of guys along that front line but what the Giants also want are guys who have multiple skill sets, guys who can rush the passer as as well as defend the run and as well as Dalvin Tomlinson has played, and I don't want to knock him at all because he's a good player. He's good at what he does. He is limited you know, in, in the pass rush area. 
Leonard Williams, I think uh, if you look at the pro football focus numbers, we know that he doesn't have any sacks this year. But when you look at the deeper numbers, I think his pressure rate, the amount of the amount of time he gets into the backfield has been better than any of the other Giants defensive linemen. So I I see the benefit. I see what what the Giants are trying to do. They want you know, versatile defensive linemen with, you know, with, with, with multiple skill sets. Williams is only 25, but I think it's a, it's still a little bit of a gamble because he is in the last year of his contract. They did surrender two picks and they don't at this point in time, have him signed to a long-term deal. Yeah, and I I don't think they're going to this year. I mean, they don't have the cap space. They would have to create the cap space. So I think if they're going to sign him, it's going to come next year when they open up all that that cap money. But here's the thing, Ed. Just looking at that trade and what the Giants gave up, uh, and I broke this down on SI.com for the Giants-Maven, the Giants are projected to get a third-round comp pick for Landon Collins. And I understand it's going to be at the bottom of the round, you know, and, and the Giants are likely going to have a, you know, they're likely going to be picking in the top end of every round because of, you know, the way their record is headed. So I get that. But you also have to remember that Gettleman uses those picks to trade. And if I'm not mistaken, he he took some of the picks he got from Cleveland. I think he took one of the picks and he traded up to get DeAndre Baker. So just because the pick is at the bottom of a round doesn't mean that, oh, Gettleman screwed up. You know, he's not going to get as good of a player. He uses those picks to move. And I, I have a feeling that that's what his intentions are. Now, as far as the other pick that they had to give up in the Leonard Williams trade, it's a it's a conditional fifth, which, you know, when you start getting to the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, those guys, you know, the chances of those guys being immediate impact players drops. If, however, you know, the Giants have to give up a fourth because they sign Williams to um, a long term deal. I think the thinking there, I'm sorry, wait, let me back up a little bit. I think the thinking was, is if the Giants don't sign Williams, they would probably get a comp pick in the 2021 draft. So I think that's, that was kind of, you know, what they were thinking, but the, the flaw with that is that the CBA ends in 2020. We don't know for sure that the comp pick system is going to be there in the next CBA. I mean, we're assuming it is. And I think that's the assumption the giants made, but it is a bit of a gamble, but I think that's the logic behind that. So they would actually, I, I wasn't 100% sure, so they would pick up a comp pick if they sign him? If they if they do not sign if him. If they and, do not n- sign him. I'm right. right. It, okay. they, they, now, granted, there there are criteria that has to be met. It, it, it boils down to play time. It boils down to what, what William signs for. There's all kinds of, there, there's a secretive formula that only Nick Corte of, uh, of uh, over the cap seems to have figured it out. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it or get, a, you know, a hint as to exactly how it works. But I do know that there are different, factors that fact that are part of the equation and you know just in looking at it from a cap perspective that's what i think the giants are counting on if they don't sign leonard williams to a long-term deal all right patty let's take a quick break here for a word from from our sponsors and when we come back let's talk a little bit about uh, the second half of of the giants season 
Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine here on the Valentine's Views podcast, joined by Patricia Trena as we talk about your New York Giants at the halfway point of the 2019 season. Patty, let's uh, let's take a few minutes and, and just look at where the Giants are and and where they need to be. You know, maybe by the end of the season. Way back before the season started, John Mara talked about what he wanted to see, you know, at the end of the season. Dave Gettleman talked about it as well. And, and nobody said, well, we need to make the playoffs. We need to win X number of games. They both talked about that sort of vague notion of progress. And Pat Shermer said the other day that he thinks the Giants are better than they were maybe at the beginning of the season. But through eight games, do you feel like like this is a team that's making progress? I don't see it, Ed. And th- there's there's a couple reasons. I mean, we, stats aside and results aside, progress to me is you've got to grow. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why, especially with the season, for all intents and purposes, not going anywhere, why they are insisting on sticking with, say, for example, Antoine Bethay and not playing Julian Love. Why, when he was healthy, they weren't playing Corey Ballantyne on defense. If those guys are your future and you want to make progress, wouldn't you want to find out about them now? especially if you're not going anywhere with your season. So I just get the sense that they're sending mixed messages as to exactly what they want. And I, I just, I, I don't know. It just seems like like sometimes the Giants are reactive to what's being said about them. I know that's probably crazy. You know, they're going to say they don't read the papers. They don't listen to the sports sports talk show hosts. But you, you just see too many instances where you know if there's heavy criticism now all of a sudden something changes and I'll point back to you know a couple weeks ago when Pat Shermer was asked about challenging defensive pass interference and he said I'm going to keep doing it because I believe in the system and then last week he had an opportunity to do it and he didn't so I just I just wonder about that sometimes that's that's a really good excuse me that's a really good point Patty because I've kind of I've kind of wondered the same thing over the last couple of years at times. I've I've wondered if sometimes they just do things because this is what they continue to continually get asked about. I I almost go back to last year. How many times did Pat Shermer tell us over and over and over? He told us Kyle Loletta wasn't ready to play. Mm-hmm. And toward the end of the season, what did he do? He activated Kyle Lalletta, more or less, and, and put him in a game. And, and then his his attitude after Lalletta played very poorly against the Washington Redskins seemed to be, you guys wanted to see him. Now you've seen him. Now do you see what I've been telling you? And And, and I don't, that's to me, that's not a way to do things. No, it's not. It's definitely not. And, and you know, I don't want to sell Pat Sharma short, but there's mounting evidence, quite frankly, that, you know, he, if there's a hot topic and he keeps getting grilled about it, now all of a sudden it's almost like he goes and, and he reacts. And, and if that's 
indeed what is happening and and again i i know that is a stretch i'm not gonna gonna say the media has that kind of power over him but if that is indeed factoring into the equation that's not a good way to be coaching a team i'm sorry no it's not patty and here's here's the other thing about about eight games into the season when i look at some of the teams that the giants have played this year even the arizona cardinals you know what the Cardinals are. You know what their personality is. You know what they're trying to accomplish. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, and you know exactly what they are. They're a, they're a, a tremendous defensive team. You know exactly what they want to do on offense. The Dallas Cowboys are largely the same way. You know what they want to do. You know what their personality is. I look at this team through eight games, this Giants team, I have no idea still, even with all of the players that they have, even with the young developing quarterback, I have no idea what Pat Shermer really wants this offense to look like. I have no idea really what this defense is because we've talked about this before. Are they a press coverage team? Are they a man-to-man team? Are they a blitzing team? You know, what are they? And that bothers me through eight games when I think about progress because I'd like to see not only more wins, but you'd like to to begin to see what the personality is. Yeah, that's a good point, Ed. They don't have an identity. I mean, if you go back, and I know this question was asked because I remember asking it of, of both players and, uh, and of uh, James Betcher, for example. I said, what is the identity of this defense? And I was told um, it, it's going to be an attacking, aggressive style. Well, have we seen that on a consistent basis? I don't think we have. So what exactly is this identity? You know, what's the identity on offense? Can we say that it's it's a, you know, a, a, a smash mouth football offense? Is it a passing offense? Is it a finesse offense? I don't know what they are. And if and, you know, if the coaches haven't figured it out or if the coaches are, you know, still trying to figure it out. Well, guess what? That's going to create confusing because you're not going to let this team settle into one particular groove and get comfortable in it. And I, I just don't think that's a good way to go about building up a program. All right, Patty, let's, uh, so we talked about the, the first eight games, talked about the trade deadline. Let's spin forward to the final eight games. I mean, obviously this is shaping up as yet another losing season for the Giants, two and six at this point. I think it would be, it would be stunning at this point to see the Giants go six and two over the final eight games and and get to an eight and eight record. So I think you can pretty much count on this being what the seventh time in eight years that they finish with a with a losing record or sixth time in seven. Uh, I, you know that the numbers are piling up so much that that I that I can't even uh, I don't even think I can keep them straight anymore, Patty. Yeah, it, it's it's a rough time, you know. People, I know a lot of the younger generation of of giant fans say that it's awful. I still say it's not quite as bad as it was during the wilderness years, you know, that that period of 15 15 years of lousy football in the 70s because at least, you know, the Giants do have some things, you know, they have uh a young quarterback to be excited about. They have Saquon Barkley to be excited about. It's just, you know, there's some things, some redeeming qualities in this, you know, edition of the quote unquote 
lousy football, if you want to call it that. All right, so look look at the final eight games, Patty, and we've talked about the lack of personality. We've talked about you know what we see as the lack of progress over the first eight games. If you want to go back to what John Mara and Dave Gettleman said about wanting to feel like the organization, like the team has made progress at the end of this season, what in your mind do we need to see over the final eight games to, to come out of to come out of the 2019 season feeling that way? An identity. I mean, that that's first and foremost. Who is this team? Are they, you know, like I said, are they going to be a passing offense? Are they going to be a power rushing offense? You know, are they an attacking aggressive defense? It just seems like every week we get a different look. And and I just, you know, I think you have to establish an identity and determine what do you want to be and then build up to that. And I just feel like every week it's like, okay, a leak has sprung. We've got to fix this. And they don't really, you know, now what you have is you have uh, to, to, to make this comparison, you have this ugly facade, like kind of like that, that monstrosity in the parking lot of MetLife stadium, you know, the American dream, which I think just opened up this week. Um, you just have a patchwork of, 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 different you know tiles and different looks and it, there's no rhyme or reason to it so you know if you want progress i really believe you have to i it, say this is our identity this is what we're going to work towards and go from there and they just they just haven't done that for whatever reason on the football field yeah i would agree with that patty i think the other thing that that you want to see you know you and i have talked about in-game management You've talked about, and and I know Pat Shermer has talked about the fact that that knowing you know it's a bottom line business, and eventually you have to win games. I think we can all feel good about the young talent that the Giants have, and and maybe the future, you know, with Daniel Jones and and a lot of these young players. But I think that when you talk about progress, one of the things that you need to see is when you have a game where you're in position to win it is to make the right plays in the fourth quarter and actually win those games. And we just haven't seen that from this group. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and uh, you know, look, the players have to take ownership of it, obviously, because it comes down to execution. But don't sit there and say, oh, it's all on us. The coaches are calling a great game plan and, and it's all on us. You win as a team, you lose as a team. And last I checked, the coaches are part of the team. And just as you can say, probably accurately say that they're part of the problem. And and I don't know necessarily what they are planning to do to address this moving forward. I imagine the bye week they're going to be, I, I would hope during the bye week, they're going to do some real deep soul searching here. But um, th- this can't continue. This this is, you know, you, you pointed out, this is what, the, the eighth or, ninth, or the seventh year in a out of the last eight that they've been in this, this, uh, situation and, you know, how much longer until you finally wake up and say, look, whatever we've been doing the last several years just isn't working. I don't know, Patty, but as I said, I think there's, you look at the young core and you have to feel good about it, but, but you need to begin to see some results on the field. And, and, uh, you know, right now we're not seeing them, Hopefully Monday night against the Cowboys, that's a tough, a really tough task for the Giants. But, you know, hopefully in the second half, we'll we'll see a couple of wins and a couple of better performances to feel to feel better about as as we head into the into another 
off season of, of change. But uh, anyway, Giants fans, thank you very much for listening. Patty, thank you very much for spending some time with us. Giants fans, thank you for, for supporting the podcast. Uh, we're in the middle of our biggest ever month here at the uh, at the end of October here, and we thank you for that. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.